morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And Jackie, the crypto juggernaut, decided to show up today. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today and Good Morning Crypto, I love you, Jackie. We will be discussing how JP Morgan ties to the crypto market go much deeper than you would imagine. As a new video emerges from 2016, showing Bitcoin and Ethereum are not what they seem. A California judge could deem XRP a security this week as SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce is calling out her own agency, stating the SEC has failed to do their job as a United States regulator. Former CFTC Commissioner says central bank digital currencies and stablecoins are set to take the world by storm yesterday during Consensus 2023. And with new data revealing Ripple has hired employees from the White House, World Economic Forum, and several other global agencies We break down the details, showing our community why XRP could be the token to revolutionize global finance. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, the important question of the day is, is the founder of fun an acronym or do you just mean fun, my friend? But thank you for being here and how you feeling? Everybody who knows me knows life is all about fun. If you ain't having fun, you ain't living life. So it is just fun, not an acronym. Enjoy your life, folks. That's what we're here for. But with that said, let me get this started like I always do. Abs, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you guys. Appreciate you guys. We got, oh, we got Gonzo in the chat. Good morning to our brother and James Morgan, millionaire guy, and Susie and Motorbike Mike and everybody else who shows up. We love you. But we got a very special guest today down there in red. I haven't seen her in a while. So great to see Jackie and Mario's face. Good morning, guys. Mario, I won't let it happen. Johnny tries to skip you on these introductions every time we have you on the program, but I got my head on today. So first of all, how are you feeling? And thank you for being here, my friend. Hey, man, it's always a great day when you remember to, you know, let me do my introduction. So it's definitely a great Thursday. Good morning, everyone. Super happy to be here. It's great to have Jackie on. We finally got the good looking uh, crew on today. Look at this. But Gonzo, you have the best hair still. So we see you in the chat. Shout out to Gonzo, a.k.a. George Clooney. But Jackie, very excited to see your face. How are you feeling? And thank you for making time for us this morning. I feel great. They let me out of the basement. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel really good, guys. I'm so happy to be back on with y'all. I love my family. Um, Sorry I was was absent for so long. Um, But I have to say, shout out to Brenda. Today is her birthday, guys. So much love to her. Hey, happy birthday, B. Love in the chat for her. And yeah, guys, let's get this going. Awesome, guys. And if you're looking to meet B, meet B in person, she's going to be with us at XRP Las Vegas. So shout out to B and happy birthday. But we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to our whole team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is sitting at a 59 this morning in greed this morning, Johnny Crypto. When we check out the daily movers, it's basically red across the board. BGB is up 6%. Everything else, red bubble as follows. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at $1.19 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 47% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 29000 Ethereum, 1900 XRP, $0.46. Cents. Cardano is 41 Chainlink, $7. And let's scroll down to Quant Network, sitting at 111. And Mario, yesterday was a very interesting day for the market overall as we saw Bitcoin react drastically to the banking news. But before we get into our articles, is there any projects that you're keeping an eye on? And how did you feel about the volatility yesterday? It threw people in a couple of different directions. Yeah, I wish you guys could have seen my hair yesterday from all the, you know, roller coaster riding of, of Bitcoin yesterday. It was insane. But, uh, you know, it's crazy. The rumors started spreading about it potentially being Mt. Gox and then. You know, it's government wallets that are dumping Bitcoin. Turns out it was just a false alert about, uh, you know, those two events happening. Turns out it wasn't true, caused panic. People started panic selling, caused that problem. You know, eventually it just, you know, we see if we look at the chart, you see those that those those massive wicks. We went up, we went down and then we ended up uh, bullish in the day. We ended up closing green for the day, which was pretty crazy. And so we're just in this uh, consolidation kind of sideways. As far as projects, yeah, man, I'm accumulating much of the same. You know, crypto, uh, during this bear market, we've been able to see the projects that have 
that have continued to build. We've been able to see the the projects that have the potential to, to, to survive the bear market because that's what the bear market does. It exposes the good projects, exposes the bad projects. Um, I've been keeping an eye on, and I'm sure Johnny has already mentioned on the show, Miria, which is another gaming token. I've been keeping an eye on that one. Looks like it's getting through, uh, uh, you know, the low level since it started. So I'm, I'm going to start DCing very soon. I'm keeping an eye on Quant because, uh, you know, I missed the boat on Quant thanks to Johnny Crypto. Just kidding. But uh, I'm keeping an eye on that level. 111 is starting to be very appealing. But I, I, I mean, I don't wish for low prices, but I do wish in this case because I want to get in a little bit lower. But uh, we'll see. If I see anything below 100, I'll start DCing again into Quant. Thank you, Mario and Johnny. We got 191 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Let the algorithm pump this out to as many crypto listeners as possible. Before we hear from Johnny Crypto this morning, we're going to start this show off with a very interesting video discussing what Ethereum and Bitcoin are and how JP Morgan could have been involved in the creation. He was also the federal government's foremost expert in TOR and anonymizing technologies. Um, again, I, you know, with respect to, 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 to Mt. Gox, there, there's not that much here that's all that unique outside of it being uh, Bitcoin related. Um, Bernie Madoff had his company banking at JP Morgan. JP Morgan caught on to the scam about a year before it collapsed. They pulled most of their money out of, um, uh, out of the, the, the Madoff fund, didn't tell their, their own account holders who were also with Madoff that they were doing that. Wow. After everything was revealed, uh, the JP Morgan account holders who were also who were also with Madoff, they sued JP Morgan for violating the fiduciary obligation that JP Morgan had to them. And uh, they recovered over two billion dollars in that lawsuit. Right. Right. And, and, and the JP Morgan executives went to jail, right? Johnny Crypto, to no surprise at all, zero people were held accountable. But I want to just break it down for anybody who didn't catch what that video was saying. JP Morgan knew the housing crisis was going to happen a year before the many of their investors. They began defunding accounts and de-risking portfolios so they wouldn't take a huge hit. Turns out they were prosecuted after the fact they had made over $2 billion from not shorting or from shorting the housing market while others were buying homes. And then nobody was held accountable for the fact that they knew that collapse was coming and let people like us continue to buy houses we couldn't afford. So I thought it was a great place to start. We're watching an impending collapse happen, Johnny. How relevant do you think that video is today? Oh, it's extremely relevant. Listen, don't think that the big boys and the smart money doesn't know what's happening today. I mean, if you're paying attention, everybody knows that the banking system is in trouble. Um, the world is de By the way, shout out to CJV, our fearless leader. I know he's in the chat there. We love you. We appreciate you. Uh, and thank you for everything you do. Um, but I do want to say that I believe, Abs, that you have to, if you're paying attention to the news, then you're missing. The, you know, Coach always says, right, if you're looking this way, then you're really not looking that way. And you need to be looking that way. And the good news is if you're watching the show, then you're, you're looking in the right places. We tell you all the time, right? We're telling you, we're showing you. We're showing you the tea leaves. You can see that the, the, the banking system is in a, in a mess. You can see that the de-dollarization is happening. You have to protect your assets, Abs. You can't rely on other people, other, you know, these large institutions to tell you what to do because they're not going to tell you. They're going to do what's in their best interest to run their company. And at the end of the day, they're going to get fined. But as our friend Mark Yusko has said in the past, and he'll be on the show tomorrow. Don't let me forget to say that at the end. Um, these guys know that's they're paying those fees is just the cost of doing business. How many times has he said they paid a billion dollars or two billion dollars? But they don't care when you make 20 billion. It's just the cost of doing business apps. So A, don't count on the big companies to tell you what to do and B to do. And B, don't count on anybody going to jail. That's pointless. Just worry about yourself. Take care of yourself and, and you'll be and things will be in the right spot. But yeah, don't count on others to help you, Abs. It's not gonna happen. Absolutely, Johnny. And the reason that I brought that up is Hester Pierce, SEC sitting commissioner right now, is about fed up with the way that the SEC has been regulating cryptocurrency in the United States. And I'd love to break it down because what I think is about to happen is an economic collapse. And then the government will roll out a solution, aka central bank digital currencies. But guys, check out these groundbreaking quotes from Commissioner Hester Pierce. The SEC's aggressive approach doesn't sit well with one of the most senior officials at the SEC, Hester Pierce who has formally disavowed the way the agency has been regulating the crypto market. 
She says the SEC's actions have been driven by what's called jurisdictional maximalization, launching cases in order to grow its mandate, but haven't actually helped the crypto sector become more compliant in the process. One way is to plant a flag. One way to plant a flag is to bring enforcement action. It says, this is our space. And that's what the SEC is doing here, planting their flag right on top of Ripple's head. But in pursuing territorial gains instead of creating guidance to help crypto firms color within the lines, she said the SEC has lost its way. We haven't done our job as a regulator and we have not provided a clear road to compliance. Johnny Crypto, we're about to show an interesting video from a former CFTC commissioner breaking down how stablecoins and CBDCs are ready to solve the problems within this market. So to no surprise at all, we got Hester Pierce criticizing the regulation of her agency but she's not stopping it, right? Regardless of these lawsuits, whether Hester Pierce is checking them off or not, she's not stopping them from getting into the courtroom. And I think that's really important. So I do want to play this short clip before we kick it to Jackie and Johnny. Here we go. Both sides of the, now, now many thoughtful people on both sides of the political aisle are appropriately concerned about misuse of such stockpiles of financial data wreaking havoc on financial privacy and economic liberty. And therefore, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is not wrong to be concerned. And in 2020, Congress, 2022, Congressman Tom Emmer quite thoughtfully introduced legislation focused on CBDC privacy. And earlier this month, the House Financial Service Committee reintroduced a stablecoin bill that raises similar concerns about CBDC. But strangely, That legislation contains not a single word protecting Americans' privacy and stablecoins. Three pages about CBDC, and it mentions privacy and CBDC, 70 pages about stablecoins, and not one word about privacy. That's an oversight. It's a grave oversight. That must be addressed in any future stablecoin bill. Let's be clear, absolutely clear, There is nothing inherently superior about non-sovereign digital currency in protecting privacy over central bank digital currency. Let's break it down, Johnny Crypto, because he said something so important during that whole speech. The difference between CBDCs and decentralized currencies are not what they appear to the public. And we've seen it before with the Bitcoin transactions. They've tracked down many criminals who are willing to send money with Bitcoin Well, CBDCs do the same thing. So when you put privacy and central bank digital currency into a conversation, it's basically a contradiction. I'd like to hear what it means to you, Reto. Well, I think that, you know, he brings up very good points. Everything, he must watch our show. We talk about those things every day, right? What's important about this. But to me, this is why this bill is going to take forever, Abs, because there's so much back and forth and all these, you know, 70 pages, let's have this, let's have that. These guys are nowhere near coming up with something. I think that, you know, and and if this is the battle that they're going to fight, then I think it's going to take some time before we get to to the end of where this thing is really going to be. And that is, you know, what I call common sense regulation. And I don't know when we're going to get that or if we're ever going to get common sense regulation. Um, it is good that we are hearing people call out the privacy concerns. We know DeSantis called it out. And, but that is the battle now that's going to happen, right? You're going to have this battle, and hopefully they land somewhere in the middle where there will be some privacy protections. And if there are, then then good. That's a great place to land. We need to have some privacy protections there. But we're still a long way away from seeing what that bill is going to look like. I think uh, Hester Pierce nailed it with what she said, phrase it as juristic jurisdictional maximization. Wow. I got that out. Um, yeah. When she said that, that's exactly what they're doing, you know, and we talk about this all the time. Their job is to regulate, not to, um, form law. So it, what we see is happening, you know, that they are coming out and forming law and, um, not really doing what they are in position to do. Um, I mean, we've talked about this all the time, so it is it is really frustrating to see. But I agree with Johnny. Um, the the discussion of privacy is so important. Um, but just the fact that nobody, you know, Coach JV mentioned on his video today, there's probably what less than a percent of the world that's actually looking into what Janet Yellen is saying, what Hester Pierce is saying, what all of these, you know, all of these leaders are saying because they're too busy working their nine to five jobs just to stay afloat to pay their rent. Um, 
so it's frustrating, but it's, it's nice to see that, you know, privacy is talked about. That is something that, I don't know, um, bringing about CBDCs, it's just something that might get lost, you know, with, with people putting their blinders on and just putting their heads down and grinding out every day. Nobody really cares besides the people who are actually looking into this. Absolutely. And the more and more we talk about CBDCs, the more and more we talk about the carbon credit market coming into effect. And this is a very interesting article sponsored and published by Ripple Labs and the World Economic Forum, guys. But we got 284 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is what we've been breaking down throughout the week. Ripple and the World Economic Forum have a very similar agenda by bringing the unbanked into the banking system. So it's no coincidence at all to see them working together here. And we're about to break it down throughout this article. At their core, the carbon credits are financial tools driving capital towards direct, verifiable actions that mitigate climate change. Global demand for carbon credits is projected to grow by a factor of 100 by 2050, with the global credit voluntary market poised to reach over $50 billion by 2030. And it appears that Ripple and the World Economic Forum are positioning themselves to profit off of this new momentum, Roto. The World Economic Forum recently released an issues of recommendations to scale the digital voluntary carbon markets. They were calling for improved governance that enables transparency on the networks, applied technology to automate and scale how credits are monitored and traded daily, an accessible marketplace with a common framework that harmonizes the data available for each of the carbon credit points used and interoperability among exchanges and marketplaces all around the world. And when we talk about a one world currency, global carbon credits are going to be a huge part of that conversation going forward. And Johnny, I'd love to start with you. Them coming together to sponsor this article, it's dangerously exciting. It is very exciting, but it's also very dangerous at the same time. So before I give my take, what's it mean to you, Rita? No, I think that's spot on. It's already happening. I, I booked the flight the other day. I was, I was booking my trip to Vegas and uh, for XRP twenty two three conference with Brett Kimes. And uh, you know what I? You know what you see in your booking at the end? They show you the carbon credit, the carbon offset, or how much carbon each flight actually costs. So the, the the things are already in place. They're putting all the components in place to be able to just flip the switch on the whole carbon thing when that happens. To me, that is a very, very interesting place to start looking to invest in because we know it's coming, right? And and so to me, in fact, we might even be too late because even though it's still early in that particular one, because they've been talking about this one for 10, 15 years, I remember they've been saying this uh, when you actually were in diapers. Ab, but, but anyway, I think that what we need to do is – it is exciting to some degree, like you say, dangerously exciting that, yes, Ripple does want to play. I think any crypto that has a very, very low power consumption is going to call themselves green abs. They're all going to try to steal the benefit of, of, of green energy, you know, or because they're low power compared to, you know, Bitcoin, which we know is always going to be higher because it's proof of work. So it's kind of an unfair comparison. But they're all going to leverage it. They're all going to do it. But yeah, I mean, certainly, again, if you're a Ripple holder, it does get you excited to know that they are playing in the space where the world is headed. And that's what I think makes Ripple such a smart company is they know where we're going as a, as a, as a country or as a global entity. And they are putting positions and solutions in place to get there. That's, that's really why I like Ripple as the company. Absolutely. And Mario, we've seen the connections time and time again, but earlier this week, we got more validation of Ripple, the Bill Gates and Mel the Melinda Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum bringing the unbanked into the banking system after publishing this article stating nearly 1.7 billion people are currently unbanked and another 2 billion are considered underbanked. Well, what's Ripple's goal? They're going to take those people and bring them into compliance, whether they like it or not. I'd just like to get some of your thoughts here. When we talk about carbon credits going forward, it's a nefarious thing that we know is going to take place. How do you feel about XRP positioned to profit off this innovation? Yeah, I think XRP is definitely well positioned. XRP, the XRP ledger for, for the longest has been uh, a super green blockchain. It's been a blockchain that you know consumes way less energy uh, than, than other blockchains, and it's ridiculously fast. But you know, narratives are always going to be narratives. And right now the narrative is you know, as Johnny was just stating, he was uh, booking his flight and you can see the carbon, the, the carbon emissions that it, it will consume. So that's the narrative right now is they want companies to be carbon neutral, carbon negative. Um, XRP is definitely well positioned. Now, we're also witnessing like the uh, 
the, the change of our financial system. And there is no doubt that blockchain is going to be an integral part of the future because it is essentially the, the, the evolution of the internet. You know, the internet started, when the internet started, we were able to browse websites. Then eventually we started being able to communicate. And then eventually we started being able to shop online and we get our things delivered to our door. We can have things like what we're doing right now. We're doing a show every single day, Monday through Friday, where you get to see these beautiful faces and hear our amazing voices and opinions. And now it, it only makes sense that anything of value starts to enter the, the space and we're able to transact. You know, I can send Johnny Crypto something of value like this in seconds. And that's the evolution that I know needs to take place. I'll send it just not right now after the show. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it totally makes sense. And like, like I was saying at the beginning of my comment, it's all about the narrative. And right now we're seeing the fight stage and they're coming at after the space aggressively. And that's because it's a disruptive technology. That's just the, the reason. Yeah. And at the exact same time the world is moving to de-dollarize, Jackie, we are seeing countries around the world create global standards, and it seems the U.S. is being left behind. But I do want to get your comments before I play this video of Gary Gensler, where he's describing three-quarters of the cryptocurrency market as commodities and not securities. I was going to say, I haven't booked a flight in so long. You guys don't let me out of the basement. Um, but. <laughs> I didn't know that, Johnny. That's wild. Um, but I will just a quick comment. That's why, you know, that's why at the very beginning, um, all of these layer one blockchains, guys, they all, you know, you started seeing them all get on the, the same narrative because they need to stay relevant. And I'll, I'll continue to say that because that's that's what's happening. Everyone, you know, these big all of these companies need to stay relevant, whether it's carbon credits, whether, whether it's, you know, coming into the metaverse, NFTs, all of those things, just so they're they're better utilized in the future. But yeah, those things are definitely coming. Absolutely. And before I play that video, I want to remind our listeners of this. A, a list was released yesterday showing the connections between Ripple, the World Economic Forum, Federal Reserve, U.S. Treasury, and many other financial institutions around the world. This checklist is almost endless, Johnny Crypto. And when I go through these names, obviously we've got Rosie Rios, Craig Phillips, Michael Warren, some of the most famous people within Ripple. But look at the connections. Two former employees worked at the World Economic Forum. We've got several former White House employees on this list and a plethora of government agencies. I wish they could have made it a little bit easier to read because I don't know the symbols off the top of my head, but I do see SWIFT in here. I see the World Economic Forum. I see the CIA. I see many other American government organizations. And to no surprise at all, Ripple's connected to every single one on this list. So if that's not more validation of what we just talked about, I'm really not sure what you're waiting for. But with that being said, we're going to play this very interesting clip of Gary Gensler here describing 75% of cryptos as commodities. So we already know in the U.S. and in many other jurisdictions that three quarters of the market are not ICOs or not what could be called securities, even in the U.S., Canada, and Taiwan, the three jurisdictions that follow something similar to the Howey test that we've talked about. Three quarters of the market is, is non-securities it's just a commodity a cash crypto wow i mean johnny i don't even know what to make it's almost like cgi or somebody planted this in gary gensler's uh book here there's a reason okay for anybody who doesn't know there's some cool history about mit mit released the entire cryptocurrency course that gary gensler had provided except for one episode that would be episode 18 why did they decide to remove that off their website because within that article or within that uh class course that he was teaching there were several quotes like this where he was saying not only were all of these commodities, but that he believed they were currently registered as cash commodities, totally separate from a crypto security. So, Johnny, what's it mean to you, bro? Well, first of all, Abs, look who we got in the look who we got in the chat, man. We got we got where is he? The bearable. There he is. The bearable. What was Dude. going on? <laughs> bearable bull. Love you, brother. It's been too long. If you want to come on the show, just all you got to do is hit me up with a tweet. We'd love to have him on. But um. You know, I do believe, Abs, that um, – well, actually, I want to go back to the other article. That was a very, very impressive chart you put up looking at all the connections Ripple has had across all those – and, God, yeah, this thing, Abs, so important. Like I try to say all the time, guys, it's not what you know. It's who you know. Look at all these connections to all these different government agencies. Abs, if I had a place to bet on something – Man, I would definitely want to be placing a bet on a company that has connect. I mean, I bet you if we looked at any other cryptocurrency company apps, there ain't no way they got a chart that looks anywhere. Look at all those green check marks. Holy cow.
That is extreme. That actually gets me really excited. I mean, I knew they had a lot of connections, but I didn't know they had this many connections. That and just to break it down really quick, Roto, they got three former White House employees, three former Swift employees. They've got two former members of the World Economic Forum, and those are only the ones that I can recognize. So I'm sure if we got a more detailed version, this list would just continue to expand. Yeah, and I'm sure if anybody's out there, grab this list, put the name of the agency across the top. That'll just make it even that much more valuable. But nonetheless, this is extremely impressive. And, it, you know, I already had a great degree of confidence in Ripple, the company. But, man, when you've got this kind of uh, exposure to all these different connections, it, it just kind of makes me believe that Ripple has set themselves up with the right connections for success in the future. And that has me extremely excited, Abs. Absolutely. And as we're watching the banking system collapse before our eyes, Google Trends is showing that the average everyday sheeple is looking for a way to store their wealth right now. And Google Trends is showing that they're looking in two directions, gold and Bitcoin, Johnny. And we've talked about this for quite a while. If there's anything very similar to a piece of real estate in the crypto market, for good reason that I don't feel like we should explain right now, Bitcoin appears to be the one that could have the safest store of value. But guys, we got 355 live listeners joining us. Show some love smash that like button and check out the groundbreaking article from today as a California federal judge is set to comment on the security status of XRP. And the reason this is so important is because many of our listeners, without even knowing it, are involved in this case, Johnny Crypto. Can you believe that? U.S. District Judge Phyllis Hamilton has uh, is considering whether to certify the classes of selected investors who accused Ripple of engaging in an unregistered securities offering. Judge Hamilton noted that the case of whether XRP could be considered an unregistered security raises a serious question on the first impression of these cryptocurrencies. The judge acknowledged that uh, certifying such a class is likely a new area of law that has not been addressed in the past. The conference, which she attended in order to learn more about cryptocurrencies, had a panel on cryptocurrencies and securities litigation, which only left her more confused at the end of the day. She said, all of us looked just in confused at the end of the panel as we did when it began. Judge Hamilton believes that whether crypto, crypto constitutes the security depends on what prompted the investor's decision to purchase the asset in the first place. It bears mentioning, Judge Hamilton commented during yesterday's hearing on a motion to certify a class of all XRP purchasers who bought, sold, or held this largest cryptocurrency at a loss. So what does that mean? They're trying to bring people like us into this lawsuit, Johnny Crypto, and the guys out here should just remove themselves. The 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 way they are trying to sue Ripple, it's a cash grab. And just to clarify, these guys lost $300. They lost $300 yeah. in this market <laughs> and feel as if they can come out and speak for the entire crypto community. So, Johnny, really briefly, actually, let me break down these details and then kick it back to the group. Right. <clears throat> the complaintiffs... Uh, the complainants allege that Ripple Labs held an illegal ICO for XRP without registering the appropriate authorities, the SEC, obviously. The complainants also accused Ripple of using deceptive tactics to increase profits of the XRP price, adding that the blockchain company created 100 billion tokens out of thin air while holding the initial coin offering since 2012. The plaintiffs also requested that the judge certify a nationwide class and California subclass of XRP purchasers who purchased the cryptocurrency from 2017 until today's date and incurred losses. So Johnny, they're trying to get us involved here and they want us to back them. 75,000 people have already stated they don't believe XRP is an unregistered security. And they already stated they didn't purchase XRP because of Ripple. So these guys, I'm not sure what's going on here. What's it mean to you, Rhoda? Well, I mean, this is exactly what you said. This is a cash grab. But the reality is that, you know, this case is kind of weird. If you think about it, I don't know how this judge can make a ruling when there's a pending case in the government with the SEC trying to figure out this exact thing. So it to me, this is kind of like putting the cart before the horse, uh, kind of weird. And you're right. I mean, again, people do this all the time, right? These these um, attorneys have these firms where they look for these civil and class action lawsuits and they group a bunch of people. It's just a money grab. It's literally and it's not even for the people. They ain't going to make shit. It's going to be the attorneys that make all the money. If there's a win, that's all this is. But to me, I would be surprised. I I'm curious to see if the judge even makes a ruling. If it were me, I wouldn't do anything until after the SEC case was over. Uh, so to me, that's kind of, I wish we had our friend, attorney Jeremy Hogan. I'd love his thoughts on, you know, how could this even, how could you have these two cases and why would the judge make a ruling when he knows there's a larger case that could then 
overrule his ruling. So to me, I would just defer it. And I don't think we're going to get an answer until the SEC case ends. And I think if the SEC case ends in a situation, Abs, where it's not on security, this case gets thrown out. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Absolutely. And another important detail here, Jackie, is he adds that the SEC already considers XRP as a security, but I'm not sure that's true because when Gary Gensler was put on the stand in front of Congress just last week, he was unable to state that XRP was a security. He said, we're currently discussing that very issue. So what does it mean to you that they're claiming it here? Um, yeah, I think it is just a cash grab. Uh, just like you guys said, I don't think, and I agree with Johnny. That doesn't make any sense for any ruling to come across just because I know I am agreeable, but um, for any ruling to come across just because a higher case um, on a larger stand hasn't even come to a conclusion yet. So it'll be interesting though. I will say this, it will be interesting to see how, you know, securities and exchange um, commission law and things like that change in the future as far as like getting, um, getting your series 65 and things, those are things that we are working on here at the Academy. And so it'll be interesting. They're already, um, introducing new bills as we speak. So if you were going to take a test to get licensed and certified, um, you actually have to be up to date on those bills and they just post them on a website. Like it's not in any, um, documented formatted, like teachable textbook or anything like that. Not even on, um, so it's it's just like written out on website and you have to be up to date on those things yourself. So it's just kind of silly, um, but just something interesting from my perspective, because that's what I'm working on. Another interesting update here, Jackie. Somebody commented and said, it seems like a setup lawsuit. So the SEC can point to this ruling and say they looked like they were expecting profit. I completely disagree. But Johnny, one of the things I think we should point out for today is a little bit of news not related to crypto, but I think it highlights how all the world is a stage as President Biden did something he's used to doing, he messed up in front of the public yesterday, revealing his note cards before giving a public speech. Well, what's so great about the age of the internet is people zoomed in and cleared the image. What did they reveal? Joe Biden's note card doesn't just tell him what reporters are he's supposed to call on. It includes what order to call them on and then the pre-assumed questions he will be answering going forward. So I mean, we saw it time and time again. This is getting disgusting, Johnny Crypto. I feel like many of the officials don't understand. You know what? I'm just going to kick it to you. WWE is the right way. What's Are you starting to realize? Is this starting to make sense to you now? Have I not been saying that this is what it is, guys? I mean, it's just, come on. It's, it's a movie. So nothing no, nothing there ever surprises me, Abs, on that whole thing. Uh, I guess we know who question number one is going to be. Courtney, Courtney. Superman or whatever her name is. But yeah, you get to be question number one. Yeah, I don't even I don't even pay attention. Abs, I don't watch the news for this very reason. I don't pay attention no more. I just worry about um, you know, my life and what I can do to improve my family's life and my friends and all you guys, right? I think that's an important. But what I am excited about is check out Mario's background. I'm very, very impressed. Mario, I'm liking that background you got there, buddy. Very, very impressive. Anytime we can get a little free promo for Merlin, we're going to take it on this channel. But guys, I want to take it one step further with this article in particular because we've seen it time and time again. But what gets me a little bit concerned, Johnny, is if they're verifying the questions, obviously these questions must be approved beforehand. And so freedom of the press doesn't exist in America. It's very not it's not that big of a leap to say we don't have freedom of the press. If you can't ask open questions to the public, they have to be pre-approved and then put on a note card so he knows what to expect. So I guess Mario's at the top of my screen. Just close this out for this segment. How do you feel about us basically exposing we don't have freedom of the press in America? All these questions must be pre-approved. Yeah, look, politi political theater is a thing. You know, it's it's been proven time and time again. And 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 I'm glad you brought that up because I was I was thinking of mentioning that. I didn't know you had that to, to show our audience today. But, you know, that's, again, proof that all these questions are pre predetermined. The answers are predetermined. They're, they're both reading scripts and the same thing for our news media. Um, I agree. Like I don't watch the news. I just pick up things here and there and we're starting to see a shift. I think that more and more we'll see mainstream media lose the, um, um, I think they will lose the audience and that audience is shifting. I mean, they've been losing the audience for a long time, but you know, the, the, the audience is shifting and Twitter seems to be grabbing a lot of that audience. So actually the $44 billion, I think was the, the, the deal that um, Elon Musk um, stroked to, to acquire Twitter is starting to sound like a pretty good deal, considering the fact that so much 
so much uh, attention is coming to the platform and it's starting to become a main source of news and a main source of information for people. Hey, Abs, just to wrap this section up here and, and, and build on Mario's point about Twitter, uh, last night, uh, our, your boy there, or I should say the man, Tucker Carlson, was on Twitter on his tweet, and he tweeted out yesterday exactly what you just said, that like media and real news and debates like are gone in America. He literally said it. Go watch his. Yeah, there it is right there. This is two-minute. It's a little two-minute tweet. And you should just watch that. Look at the engagement. Look at the amount of people that viewed it. Apparently, in one hour, he had more views. Yeah, million views. You know, Fox News, I think, only has like 3 million viewers. Because I I looked it up yesterday. So Fox News, their best program on air, does 3 million views per week. Well, yesterday, in this video we're showing you guys, Tucker Carlson did 15.2 million views in over just about 50 million impressions with this video alone. So if it doesn't show the power of the individual over the corporation, I mean, I think it's a great, it's great for the average uh, everyday journalist. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what happened to Tucker or the whole thing there. And, you know, they got a, a screw, a screw job, basically WWE style, you know, uh, they screwed him there, I guess. But, uh, you know, the good news is, as Mario said, thank God for these social media platforms where guys like that can have a voice still. And, um, and I think that we, you know, maybe we can still have a good, healthy, true discussion and not just have all these pre-programmed questions. Like when we bring guests on, we don't, we don't, we don't pre-program questions. We don't give them questions and answers. We, you know, we just go raw dog, you know, we raw deal it and we just see what happens and whatever comes out, you get what comes out at the heart. That's what makes our show in, in these discussions authentic. Right. And, and that's what the, we want to, the, the, to come back into the media. Right. We want to have those true, authentic discussions, Abs. Have true debate in Congress. And it just it, whenever you see stories like the one you just put up where questions and answers are already written, it just kind of creates that whole discouragement thing of well, why, you know, why even bother? Check out this groundbreaking update, Johnny. You said it's going to be harder to find the truth going forward. Well, that's not just going to be for me and you. It appears federal chair Jerome Powell was tricked by Russian pranksters posing as Zelensky. And this isn't the first time it's happened. Last month, we had uh, chief European banking advisor, uh, I forget her name, Christine Lagarde, and she was actually tricked by an AI protocol as well, where Russian hackers put an AI overlay over their face, and they're getting meetings with some of the most important people on the planet. So please, hook me up with this AI, and I can get in there as Zelensky and ask the important questions. But Johnny, on a more serious note, this is something we're going to have to deal with more and more in the future, as AI becomes synonymous with reality through the digital screen, it's going to be nearly impossible to tell the fake news from the real news. So how do you feel about people as important as Jerome Powell being tricked by artificial intelligence today? I mean, that's really, you know, God, that, I mean, I hate to be like the, the negative naysayer, but that is kind of game over. I think we, 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 we did an example on the show where we showed Joe Rogan doing a short example of somebody in po- doing an imposter session of him. And it, it, Sounded like him, looked like him, but you know, wasn't wasn't even close. It's not embarrassing to the Fed. It's not. It, it's it's just that's how powerful the technology is that it, anybody could get fooled by it. I mean, you could be fooled right now. I could be AI that's talking to you and not the real Johnny Crypto. So you don't even know. Matter of fact, maybe I am the AI. I'm gonna make you keep guessing and wondering. But uh if that is so true, Abs, in the future. Like, we're not gonna know. You're gonna get a phone call, you're gonna think it's your dad, and it might be, you know, AI, it could be anybody. It, it is. And this is why you're hearing guys like Elon Musk saying, this is scary technology. We need to shut this down now. The reason why is there comes a point in time where a certain, you know, I know nobody wants to believe it sounds crazy, but the scary part is, you know, maybe Terminator type thing could be somewhat real, right? When when the technology becomes so smart that it can kind of duplicate and, and fool, fool a human being, that is a very, very scary day in my opinion. Absolutely, Johnny. And while I'm pulling this video up in the background, I'd like to remind our listeners tomorrow on the show, we're going to be having one of our good friends, Mark Yusko, join the program. And he just did an an interview with Anthony Pompliano talking about how you should never tax creation. You should only tax consumption. Like like this latest thing where they're going to tax corporations to solve inflation. (laughs) Are you kidding me? And, you know, it's just basic economics aside it's just a stupid idea first thing you mean that raising the cost to run a business is actually going to make them lower their prices (laughs) exactly (laughs) so the so the first thing is we should never tax income anyway 
right? We should never tax wealth creation, innovation. We should tax consumption. Everyone should earn whatever they want to earn. And then when you consume, you get taxed. You can't cheat. There are no loopholes. There are no special interest groups. You know, when I bought this shirt, I paid tax. I didn't care about it. I just paid the tax. If I want to buy a fancy car, I pay more tax. If I want to drive my Kia, I pay less tax. I love my Kia. So the thing is, what we should have is a focus on creativity, creation, innovation. And by doing so, look at the massive fortunes that have been created. He says, oh, you know, Bezos, he's, he's so wealthy. He needs to pay his fair share. Are you kidding? He's paid way more than his fair share. And by the way, he employs 4 million people. Johnny, one of the things that sticks out to me about the tax debate is if, and we can go to Mario here if, if that's even better. One of the things that I uh, reference when it comes to the tax debate is if you go to Dubai, you pay 0% business tax. So why wouldn't any company be incentivized to go to Dubai? You're able to keep 22% of your profit that if you were in the United States, you wouldn't have access to. And as I think we go into this global market in this global atmosphere, those smaller uh, those smaller e economies, smaller ecosystems with better tax policy are going to grow faster than ever before. So do you agree with Mark Yusko, Mario? And how do you feel about companies moving into environments where they're going to be taxed less? Yeah, I agree with Yusko. I agree with what you just said. You know, uh, what Yusko said is, what we're, in my opinion, what we're missing in this country, you know, the forward thinking. Uh, and as you just stated, we, we're going into a world economy. And so, there's nothing stopping a company from setting up shop in a small country, maybe, I don't know, Malta or whatever, you know, setting up shop in a small country that's more favorable to, uh, to their operations. And, you know, the fact that we continue to have old laws when we're already in the future, we're already in, in a new financial system and a new financial and a new world economy, it's, it's very discouraging. We know that America is known for being a uh, pro entrepreneur, you know, it, People, people would, would create businesses and strive within the United States. Well, that could be ending very soon if they don't continue to innovate because entrepreneurs and creators are not going to say within the United States if they continue to be hit with these old laws, especially being the fact that, you know, with internet and blockchain evolving the internet, they could set up shop anywhere and they could be just as successful and even more successful because they have better rules that will allow them to allow them to strive. So, yeah, I agree 100%. Like, I just can't, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that we have supposedly smart people in, in power, but yet they can't, um, they can't come up with these, with these laws that, that are more friendly to, to the, to the environment or to, to businesses. Yeah. Absolutely, Johnny. And I just want to preface this. Yesterday, we witnessed First, First Republic Bank go through one of the biggest banking collapse of the decade. This is not a crap coin you're looking at. This isn't Shiba Inu. This isn't Doge to the moon. This is one of the largest banking institutions on the planet going from about $150 a share to less than $10 a share. And I believe this is only in a month or so. So, Johnny, this is very telling. But to go back to the article before, how did you feel about Yusko's statements as well as the banking collapse we're seeing today? He nailed it. He nailed it spot on. In fact, we'll definitely bring that up tomorrow. Guys, tomorrow, 11 a.m., Mario will be on the show. We'll talk about that. We should definitely play that when he's here, Abs. I think that is brilliant, and he's spot on. Why are we punishing innovators and creators and inventors, right? We should just all pay it on the backside and the consumption side. Add a little more tax and like, hey, listen, nobody has to pay tax anymore. You just pay, you know, I mean, income tax. You would just pay basically a tax on anything you consume. To me, that's the right and fair way to do it. I think Yusko's spot on. Guy's full of great ideas. It'll just never happen. But it's a wonderful, wonderful idea because then, you know, it incentivizes people, abs, to go out and even create and want to be you know, inventors or creator and not realize, really worry about getting penalized in trying to create something. If you know you're going to go and create something and you're going to get penalized, so it's going to cost you more to do it. You're going to that. It's already hard to invent something to start with. The last thing you need to know is you got even more stuff, more barriers in the way. Like, oh, if I do invent something, I got to. It's going to cost me more in taxes. It's like crazy. It's just I don't know. The incentivization is being taken away, abs, and that that's a scary day for 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 innovation. Guys, this is the breaking news you've been waiting for. As the hackers who uh, tricked. President, sorry, to tricked uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, 
into having a meeting with him as pretending to be Zelensky. Well, they actually got some important answers out of him. So this clip speaks for itself. I'll play this and go back to the group here. Here we go. The rate is raised further. The standard of uh, living of the population will fall. So how much should it fall in order for the Fed to stop raising the rate? You know, we, um, we've raised rates quite a lot. And it's, the market is already pricing in two more rate, two more uh, quarter percentage point rate hikes. We'll look around after we make those two and we'll say, uh, you know, should we do any more? And then the question will be, how long do we keep rates at this level? And I think we'll keep them there for quite some time. Did you hear that, Johnny? He said he plans on raising the rates two additional times. Shout out to the hackers for getting us some real information. Any comments there? <laughs> There you go. There's real. That's real sleuthing right there. So what are we at right now? What's the rate? Around 7%? Something Some, like that? Something like that, yeah. So two more rate hikes, assume a quarter each, right? That's going to put us at 7.5, almost 8. And then he says it's going to be there for a while, and that's going to hurt. That's where the hurt is going to be, sitting up here at you know these 8% interest rates. I'll tell you one thing for sure, man. Real estate's going to get crushed, no doubt about it you're going to see those prices coming down. So if you're looking to buy a house, <laughs> you may want to wait a little bit because the prices are going to be coming down. Uh, so that is, but that is very, very interesting apps. Uh, you know, I don't know how truthful he was being, but I assume if he was, no, because that's interesting that he was being recorded. I find that a little interesting. But uh, so maybe the whole thing is just pure WWE anyway. But two more interest rates. Jesus, God, help us. We need to stop the interest rates now. Uh, another two is certainly not going to help us. I did want to touch back on an article you asked me a while back. I skipped your, I skipped it because I went to the Ripple thing. Yep. But for the gold, Americans buying gold, I think you showed something about looking into getting into gold. What's surpri what, what was not surprising to me, but was, I should say, encouraging to me, yeah, there it is, is we have been saying on the show that gold, you know, is probably the true safest bet of money ever, right? But potentially Bitcoin could be the next evolution of gold called digital gold. And there you go. The fact that people, and I'm not making this up, there it is right there, unless if this is AI, that the, the social surgeon people trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoin tells you right there, that's a huge indicator, Abs, right there, that you know what? Bitcoin does have the potential. I'm not saying it is, and I'm not a maxi by any, by any means whatsoever. But I'm just saying that I've always felt that somewhere down the road, there will be some other form or version of gold. And maybe Bitcoin is that we're going to see. But that tells me right there that if people are starting to look into it, the word is getting spread. That means crypto is going to start to expand more in the future. People are starting to become more aware of it. And it won't surprise me someday if we see a hundred or two hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin. It won't surprise me at all. Absolutely. And there's one last video I'd love to show for our listeners for today. Kevin O'Leary is one of the men that we've clearly referenced on our show. When we first started doing this program, we used to refer to Kevin O'Leary because he told us we will not see the bottom of the bear market until an exchange like FTX collapses. Well, this is another indication from Kevin O'Leary here. Kevin O'Leary says Coinbase suing the SEC is the stupidest idea he's ever heard. Apparently, he hasn't been listening to himself. I, I thought one of the biggest mistakes of recent was Coinbase litigating the SEC, uh, that sounds like a really bad idea. That does not advance the industry in any way. It, it makes institutional shareholders cringe that they would be shareholders in Coinbase and be litigating their regulator. Oh. Very bad political move. And if I were a shareholder of Coinbase and I'm not, um, I would let my displeasure known to the board. This is the kind of thing you want to change management for. And I'm certainly not suing them. That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Yeah, and I've seen lots of stupid ideas, but that is the top of the cherry. That strategy is so dumb. Mm. It guarantees you an impasse in perpetuity. Wow. I, 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 I think that the companies that do that, we don't have to name them, are going to have to change their boards and managers before they ever get any traction. Oh, wow. Yeah, because those reputations are done. That's right. Uh, I don't really know how to feel about this because I do think Coinbase has to fight the SEC in order to get some crypto regulation here. But Kevin O'Leary makes a great point. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. But are, is, is Coinbase doing one of these classic things where keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer? 
forcing the SEC to come come out and make bold statements about cryptocurrency can only be done through the courts. And I think Ripple, sorry, I think Coinbase fully understands that by the way that the SEC has been interacting with Ripple during this lawsuit. So Mario, I'd love to start with you. How do you feel about Kevin O'Leary's statements? You know what I think is a bad idea? I think it's a bad idea to back a guy like Sam Bankman fried after, you know, we know what happened. You know, he came out after and said, oh, you know, like Sam Bankman fried it's not his fault. Yes, it was his fault. But, you know, going back to the uh, to the content of of his uh, of the video, you know, Coinbase asked for clarity. They didn't get a response. And that's the problem that we have in the space. Companies, uh, institutions, exchanges, projects, cryptos, they're asking for clarity and no answers are being given. So if they just sit back and do nothing, I mean, but regardless, look, um, Kevin O'Leary's on something. And, you know, he's influenced by he's under the influence of something or someone. I have no doubt because he's contradicting himself. He's saying things that, in my opinion, and again, it's just my opinion. That's just his opinion. But I don't think it makes sense because if we want the space to thrive, there's commodities, there's securities, and then there's crypto. And they're not creating any regulation around crypto. They're just enforcing um, based on the laws that they have. And that's not helping the space uh, whatsoever. You know, I do have to say, I do agree, though, Abs, you're right, with, with, with Kevin O'Leary, one aspect that it is kind of, you know, it is, that is, to me, suing the SEC is the last resort. And I think Coinbase got to the point where they felt like, what else can we do? We've been going to them, we're knocking on the door, we're trying to get clarity. And as Mario rightfully said, we can't seem to get clarity from them. And so what's the best way to do it? Sometimes it's through the courts if you can't get it. So I don't fault coinbase and i also kind of agree with kevin o'leary that it could be it could be you know career suicide we'll have to see uh for brian brooks and in, in the in the upper management running it so we'll see where it goes but i ain't gonna lie i like the fact that coinbase came out and said hey we're, we're gonna we're gonna sue yeah it's a do or die move no question about it i think it's a last resort move and i i like the fact like you said abs we need people to stand up and fight for this thing. And we've been saying it, you know, poor Ripple's out there fighting it by himself. But now you got the, you know, I think it wasn't just SE, uh, Coinbase. Didn't BlackRock also sue them for the- It was so funny. BlackRock and Digital Currency Group, and shout out to Mr. Moon here, they own Coinbase. So it's ah. basically BlackRock against the SEC. And one of the yeah. things I'm just realizing right now is somebody like Brian Brooks probably got the go-ahead from someone higher oh, than himself course. to of go course. ahead and sue the SEC here. So 100%. There's no way he made the decision on his own, especially like you said, if they're owned by BlackRock, he's got a board that he's got to answer to. And obviously BlackRock has already shown the appetite to be willing to sue the SEC. It's no surprise there at all then that he probably went to them and like, yeah, go ahead do it. In fact, maybe it was a plan. He was like, hey, we're going to assume as BlackRock, you're going to assume as Coinbase, and hopefully we get some, some answer somewhere coming out of this thing soon to clarify what the hell is going on in crypto. Absolutely. And check out this last crypto update from John Deaton. Was the SEC underestimating Ripple when they initially sued? He believes so. Yeah. Do you have an opinion as to why uh, the SEC picked the fight with Ripple? I mean, Ripple's well-funded. You know, uh, Greg Arlinghouse has said publicly that when all said and done, it'd be a hundred million in legal fees. That's pretty steep. Well, I, yeah, I don't think they saw that coming. And uh, I, I think they probably expected there would be a settlement. And I think they underestimated the fight inside of Brad. Uh, there's a lot of sand. And we've learned, I've learned, there's a lot of sand inside that fella. And I admire that. Uh, and he's doing a service for everyone in crypto. It's pretty funny, Johnny Crypto. I'm just going to close it out with those statements right there. I want to say thank you to each one of our listeners. We got 332 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And tomorrow, we're going to be interviewing Mark Yusko on our channel. So we'll be sure to ask him about his XRP holdings. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Let's go. And Let's thanks go. for Peter Parker on the show. <laughs> cool.